We'll go ahead and invite our children to go back to Children's Church. And we'll let y'all get uh, settled in here as well. Miss Barbara, God bless you. All right. You know, it's weird. You don't know what a difference a week will bring, right? Uh, last week we had a kind of a full house in here. And then this week we have us in here, and we're very glad for that. Um, but, uh, but it is one of those things. You just never, you never know what it's going to look like. Um, but here's my trust is that uh, we who are here uh, are here on purpose. You've purposed in your heart to be here, and we're thankful for that. And uh, we trust that, uh, that uh, our Lord uh, will um, bless you and encourage you and maybe even challenge you this morning. That's kind of what we're wanting to do throughout this, this whole time that we are gathered for our missions month is that we want uh, to be challenged. We want to uh, be reinvigorated for missions, right? So we want to learn about missionaries and mission projects that, uh, that, that, we've already, that we already serve and we already partner with, or, or maybe even some new projects. And this morning we have a new project that we're going to be looking at that we can partner with and participate with. Uh, we want to renew our energy for missions. I don't know about you, but sometimes I grow weary. I know Paul says, do not grow weary in well-doing. But I think he says that because he knows it's an option. It's an option on the table. And so the good thing is, is that the Lord doesn't say, hey, don't grow weary. And he's like testing us to see if we, if we could keep going. The Lord, everything we do is by his grace and by his gift of uh, his, just his example and his love, but also the gift of his spirit that he, he renews us and he gives us vitality and he gives us fresh vigor for things. And so, and so, um, so that's kind of a hope that we have here too this, during this missions month is that we will be, uh, have like a renewed vigor for, for missions. And then, um, and then also what we want to be able to do is uh, determine as a church family what uh, the Lord's going to provide for us to give to missions this year, we have missionaries and we have mission projects that we already support, and we want to be able to continue faithfully supporting them. And so, uh, so what we do is, how do we figure out how we as what what we as a group are going to give? Well, we as individuals begin to pray and seek the Lord. We as family units begin to pray and seek the Lord and say, God, what will you provide for me to give? towards missions this year. And, um, and we believe that like a missions gift is kind of above and beyond our tithes and offerings. Uh, you know, tithes, our, our tithes are, are, are going to go to uh, take care of our, our work here, the, the, um, the programs and the objectives that we want to accomplish at Friends with Baptist Church. And then, and then we would say, hey, a missions gift is, is something that we're going to give that, that's serving people beyond our building specifically. And just so y'all know, everything that you give by way of tithes we tithe from that into our missions. So we believe it as an as, as a, as a, as a institutional body that we, we should be giving towards missions. We should be giving beyond ourselves. We shouldn't just be building up the kingdom of Friendswood Baptist Church. But we also, um, we also believe that, that's, uh, that, that that models for us as individuals that, that we give both and. And so, um, so we want y'all to be in prayer for these things um, over the today and over the next few weeks. Um, so with that, let me just go ahead. I'm going to uh, lead us in a word of prayer. And then uh, we're going to look at just a text of scripture just to kind of set the stage for today. Um, I'm really not going to preach to you, but there will be some preachiness going on, right? Um, and then I'm going to introduce our guest to you. And, um, and she's going to come and she's going to share about this um, ministry, Isaiah 117 house. So will you all do this? Will you bow with me? in prayer this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, um, we pray and we, we come to you acknowledging that we trust you. Uh, Lord, uh, our peaceful, easy feeling uh, doesn't come because we put our head in the sand and we say, oh, everything's going to be all right if I don't look at it. Um, because, Lord, as we're going to see today, Lord, there's things that we have to look at. There are, uh, there are people that need to be seen and known. They need to be cared for. They need to be watched over. And so, Lord, we cannot be the people who stick our head in the sand and say, oh, it's going to be all right, Lord. In fact, our peace is not 
is not that we just wistfully wish, but our peace and our hope comes from you. That you're the God who, who enters into the adversity, the hostility, the hardness, and you make a way. And so, Lord, we pray and we ask that uh, as, we, as we are gathered here today, that, Lord, you would open our eyes to need that we have in our own region to a work that we can partner with, we can participate in. And, Lord, uh, and Lord really even the peace and the confidence that we need that, uh, Lord, if, as you call us to participate and to partner, that uh, you will provide for us the equipping that we need, and provide the resources that are necessary uh, for the work to be done. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that uh, while we're gathered here, and we're gathered here for Missions Month, and there's, a, a, there's a, some, some pointed objectives, uh, Lord, we also know this, that we all come to this place today from different, uh, uh, we've faced different challenges, different needs this week, and, and Lord, part of why we come in here today is, Lord, also just to be ministered to by you, and the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. So we pray that uh, you uh, will meet with us and minister to us all that we need uh, during this time. Lord, we pray all these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, in just a few moments, uh, Miss Mona Kabler is going to come and she's going to share with us about the, the ministry of Isaiah 117 house. And, and to set the stage, I think we should go ahead and read the passage of scripture uh, that, uh, that Isaiah 117, the context of Isaiah 117. And, and, and just so you know, this is the Lord um, speaking through the prophet Isaiah uh, to the um, to the northern kingdom of Israel, and, uh, and, and the prophet comes in with this word of the Lord uh, to uh, God's chosen people, and he says to them, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Is everybody familiar with Sodom and Gomorrah? Were those blessed cities? No, they were cursed cities, were they not? Uh, Isaiah is not literally talking to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's talking to the northern kingdom of Israel, and he is calling them Sodom and Gomorrah. He is likening them unto these cursed cities. Uh, so uh, that should not lay lightly. He says, listen to the word of the Lord. Here's what the Lord has to say. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has this required who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Let's just pause there for a second. Uh, this is not a message that is setting us up for the New Testament that says one day Jesus would do away with all the sacrifices. No, no, this is, this is a, uh, a message from the prophet that says you are showing up and you are doing all the religious rituals and, and you look so good doing it and you feel so proud doing it. But there's some reason why it stinks and why God is full of it. And it's because it is not... Uh, because these people are, are using their religious ritual and they are forsaking other, other areas of their life. He says, bring me no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbath, and the calling of assemblies. The new moons and the Sabbath. It's talking about all the festivals that you have. He says, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. Could you imagine if God showed up in our context and said, Friendswood Baptist Church, your gathering together on Sundays is making me sick. I bet you would receive that really well. Right? Oh, it is? Well, I'm all ears. Or wouldn't that get your defenses going a little bit? 
says, uh, they are troubled to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, talking about prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Well, why is that? Because your hands are full of blood. So here's what you need to do. You need to wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. You need to put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. So, just in short, the Lord says to the people who are gathered for worship, and in their context, that was temple worship. Temple or worship that been, had, had been uh, ordered um, and ordained by God, and so they would gather and they would do their temple worship, and God says, okay, you're showing up and you're doing the temple worship, but guess what's happening in your justice system? Judges are accepting bribes. Uh, lobbyists. Lobbyists are going to the legislators, and they're not doing what's in the best interest of the people. Uh, oh, here's another thing that happens. is uh, You have these children who, uh, they are vulnerable. Uh, they are exposed to threats, and instead of uh, defending them, instead of seeing their need and, and trying to reach and meet their need, you're ignoring them, out of sight, out of mind. People are taking advantage of them. Uh, you have your widows, and they've lost their voice in the court system. And instead of somebody advocating for them, you are taking advantage of this opportunity. And you're depriving them of uh, dignity and honor. So, he says, if you learn to do these things, if you learn to do good, which he clarifies by seeking justice, by rebuking the oppressors, all these corrupt officials get, uh, get taken care of. He says, you defend the fatherless, you plead for the widow. This is, how, this is what I really want you to do. I want you to wash your hands of the blood of these innocent victims. So, this is the context for Isaiah 117 house. This line that says defend the fatherless. They have found a way in which they have, their eyes were open to a need. Uh, and they said, we want to be the ones to defend the fatherless. As we prepare to listen to the story this morning and uh, prepare to open our, our eyes and our minds and our hearts to what the Lord would have us to do, I would like us to think about things this way. Uh, do you know or have you experienced that our uh, child protective services are not the most efficient, that they're under-resourced, that they're overworked, that uh, we could look at it and on the best day, this, this thing that people are trying to do to help children, vulnerable children, on the best day, it uh, doesn't would y'all agree? Well, there's some options that we have as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We can sit back, we can cross our arms, and we can cuss our, our governing officials and all the corruption that happens in Washington and in Austin, and we can go, oh my goodness, they need to get their act together. And we can complain about it, and we can, we can, we can whip it up on the keyboard even. Do y'all see what's happening here? And that is maybe some way to get some action moving, but, uh, but what I've seen is a lot of us like to complain, and, uh, and we feel like we've done our duty because we saw it and we complained about it. Um, but the church of the living God, uh, the church that Jesus Christ has established, uh, is, is supposed to be filled with people who don't sit back and go, man, I can't believe our government's not doing the right thing because the church of the living God knows through Jesus Christ, that the empire 
is never our hope. And so the church of the living God says, huh, how can we come alongside? How can we lift a finger? How can we uh, uh, do what we, uh, how can we see a need and meet it ourselves? Not seeking praise or vainglory. Not seeking to establish uh, the kingdom of heaven through the governing officials that we have here, the government structure that we have here. But how do we do that so that we can advance the kingdom of heaven in the midst of this broken and ruinous empire that we all call home? This is exactly as I see Isaiah 117 house has come in to say, look, there's a problem. And instead of complaining about it, we're going to see the need and we're going to rise up to meet the need. And so um, uh, I want you all to hear the story from Rhonda Paulson, who is uh, by video. And as uh, y'all are listening to the story from Rhonda Paulson by video, I'm going to invite Miss Mona uh, Cavalier to come up and then she's going to share her story with us. Hi, my name is Rhonda Paulson. I'm the founder and executive director of Isaiah 117 House. What if there was a home? That's the question that began to plague me and my husband in 2017, because we learned about removal day. We learned that when a child is removed from their home and everything they've ever known, they go to a state office to sit and wait. We learned that they're tired and they're hungry and they're scared. We learned that that wait is often hours, sometimes days. And we began to ask the question, what if there was a home? What if when a child is going through one of the most terrifying days of their life, they don't go to a state office, they go to a home? What if instead of being greeted by multiple caseworkers, they were greeted by a volunteer whose sole purpose was to greet them at the door, call them by name and say, what do you need? On a day when you don't feel like you have a voice, what do you need? What if there was a home? As we learned about removal day and we thought, you know, a lot of these children, they need a bath. What if there was a home? What if we could have a bubble bath ready? What if we could have a shower ready for those teenagers? We learned that children are hungry as they wait for hours and oftentimes there's just a snack machine or some quick fast food. What if there was a home? We have a kitchen. We could fix them anything they want to eat. We could bake cookies. We found out that they come into custody with nothing but a black trash bag. What if there was a home? What if there was a closet full of everything they could need? School supplies, shirts, pants, coats, shoes, anything that they might need. And then we started to think about the caseworkers because removal day is hard on everybody. Mm. What if there was a home? What if that tired caseworker could come in and we could fix them a cup of coffee, find out their favorite creamer? What if we could then say, why don't you go on the back porch, call your husband, take a breath. I know this has been hard. And then we started to think about that future placement, whether that be a foster parent or a grandmother. What if there was a home? What if we could reach out and whatever they need, granny, if you need five beds, new foster placement, you need car seats, you need diapers, formula, wipes, dinner, don't run to Walmart, don't run to Target. Let us help you. We're a home. We have what you need. That's Isaiah 117 house. We're a home that reduces trauma for children, lightens the load of caseworkers, and eases that transition for that future placement. And we do it all under a roof with lots of grace, love, and joy. We want that home in your community. We want the children of your community to be reminded that God loves them, that he built a house for them because he will always go before them. He's never forgotten them, and they are not alone. Welcome, Miss Mona. Will y'all welcome Mona with me? Thank y'all so much for having me here today to share about Isaiah 117 House with y'all and to include me in your uh, Missions Month. Sure. I think that um, I, I love the work we're doing and I'm grateful that y'all are interested potentially in yes, joining in and coming alongside us. All right, excellent. Well, we're glad to have you with us, that's for sure. And thankful for the work that you're doing there. So let me, let me just ask you this a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, and then, and then, and, and in particular, like how did you get involved with Isaiah 117 house? I'll try to keep this a little bit short. Um, about six years ago, our church 
hosted an event that was to raise awareness about foster care and we had two areas. One was if you were interested in providing support to foster families and adoptive families and one was if you thought you might be interested in adopting. So um, I decided I would go attend that event and um, after I attended the event, the elders in our church said they didn't want this event to be one and done. Um, and the lady who helped them put it together, Christy Severe, who is my so-called like partner in crime and all <laughs> of this, um, she and I together decided to start um, a rapid wraparound foster care ministry at our church. We had no idea what we were doing. We just decided that we would give a small yes to God, and from there we began down the path of um, serving families as best we could, and we did parents' night out, we were providing clothing and stuff, um, then COVID hit, and we kind of had to pivot. Um, a church, another church contacted us and said that they were closing down their foster closet and wanted to um, give us all their things. We were saying, no, we don't have the capacity to manage a closet, but now we have <coughs> a really big, nice foster closet because <laughs> God's got jokes. <laughs> so um, the primary things that we do in that ministry now are we provide clothing, car seats, diapers, wipes to foster, adopt, kinship placements, um, CPS workers come shop there. We also have a monthly support group and um, we take dinners to the kids who sleep in local hotels because they don't have placement. We just celebrated this past week our thousandth night of taking dinners to these kids. And because of those kids, um, Christy and I started feeling like we really needed to do more. And we kept asking the church, what do you think about having kids come sleep at the church? And they said, we're not going to have kids sleep at the church. <laughs> and in hindsight, um, that was a really smart thing to do. But as, I, as we went down the path of looking at options from starting something from scratch and um, talking to contractors, talking to other homes, we came across a video that Mike Rowe did called, um, he had a Facebook show called Pay It Forward. And Isaiah 117 House was the... Um, recipient of this particular episode so we thought okay well what if we just join hands with somebody who's already doing this and so it's been almost two years ago that we reached out to Isaiah 117 house in Carter County Tennessee and sent little videos of why we felt we needed one of these homes in Brazoria County and as we went down that path we felt just more and more strongly that we were totally aligned, that they were totally running after Jesus, that they had a plan that was working, and although they don't focus specifically on the children without placement, they um, serve children on one of their most vulnerable days, and so um, that started us down the path of um, bringing an Isaiah 117 house to Brazoria County. And we're about to have framing and concrete and all that stuff going up. Hopefully starting this week, we've got stakes out and we're ready to roll. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So two years ago, y'all said, um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll pivot our ministry and partner with this uh, Isaiah 117 house. And then, um, and then in that two years you've been able to secure land mm -hmm. and funding for yes. a new home to be built right. right so we we pivoted but we also still the foster the fostering hope at the church still runs okay and excellent. does those three things primarily that yeah. we that i mentioned um we have volunteers that help us and we help still there too but we decided to kind of just keep that as doing the things we were doing rather than okay. continuing to expand that yeah and um, Christy and I focus the majority of our time on bringing the home to um, Brazoria County. And as you mentioned, so everything that Isaiah 117 House does is debt-free. So the things we had to do, we spent the first six months 
just spreading word around the community because the home is a home that belongs to the community and is supported by the community. So we spent six months um, just raising awareness. Then we did a fundraising event um, for us to be approved to go ahead and start construction. We had to have enough money in the bank to build the home debt free and have a year's worth of operating expenses in the bank. Um, our church donated land and that was a lot of little hurdles through the city of Pearland mm -hmm. to have it replatted and rezoned and all of that. But um, we finally got everything approved last Wednesday. We've got contractors lined up and it's go time. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. And also in the meantime, we're gonna begin in the next, just in the next um, couple of months, we're going to start serving kids um, as they come into care with um, with clothing and meeting needs and while the home is being built. So it won't be the same as coming to the home, but it'll be meeting their physical needs yeah. um, as they're coming into care. So um, thank you for sharing all this. Uh, we'll get more to Isaiah 117 house in a second, but before we do, kind of am always interested in like, you said, I give like a small yes to God. Um, did you imagine when you gave that small yes to God that you, uh, what was that, six years ago, that you would be uh, right here today? I did not. <laughs> um, I had absolutely no idea if somebody would have asked me 10 years ago what I would be doing right now. I would have probably said I'd be vacationing and traveling because <laughs> I should be retired. Um, but, and I would have never expected that I would have other people's teenagers in my home, which is a whole kind of separate thing from that. <laughs> but, um, but um, you know, God's God takes our small yeses and does miraculous things. I, I have to say that I have never in my life seen God more present than I do serving his kids. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I kind of want to just point that out too. And I'm glad that you brought up the you know, retirement aspect of it, you know, like, hey, you know, the, the, the yes is not just, man, I missed my opportunity whenever I was 25 to say yep. yes, and now <laughs> went down this path, and now we can't, yeah, now we can't offer a new yes, and so, so for anybody out there, if God's asking you, you can always provide a yes, um, and then, and then also just like the, the aspect that, uh, you know, you, you enter into this journey saying yes to this, and once you start saying yes to God, he's going to take you on a journey. Um, and, and the more that you say yes, then you're going to look back and you're going to go, we went from here to here. <laughs> like, how, how did we get here? But, the, it, but, but God's faithfulness is good. The Isaiah 117 house has truly been, it, it's staggering yeah. how the community has rallied around. And as we've seen it at this point, so Isaiah 117 house started out as just a home in Carter County to serve Rhonda and her husband, Corey, were going through the process of getting licensed. Mm -hmm. And um, in one of their classes, they went to um, their, uh, I think they call it DCS, we have DFPS, mm -hmm. um, to their office and they learned that kids were sleeping, staying there and sleeping sometimes in the, on the conference room floor and she just like, couldn't believe that that was really happening, that kids were being removed and, you know, being taken out of their home or taken from school and then ending up sitting in a sterile, dingy environment with no idea what's going on. So she started down the path of do, bringing a home to her county and then the next county said, well, we need a home. And as of right now, the, the first home celebrated their five-year anniversary of being opened um, this past summer. And there are a hundred homes that are in some stage of either raising awareness, under construction, or open. And, um, and, I have to, and that was never their plan. And the way that they have managed that growth and followed Jesus is really mind-boggling. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, because that, that first one started in 2017, and here they are five years later with 100, let's just say 100 projects somewhere in, in yeah, the realm of production, phase, right? Yeah. Um, and we learned about, Brittany and I actually learned about Isaiah 117 House because um, one of our dear friends, uh, Megan Anderson, she 
uh, or Megan Hosbert now. Um, she, um, we grew up with her, went to college with her, and um, just have been such a good, good friend of ours. She uh, was became aware of Isaiah one seventeen houses, and uh, she lives in Dallas County, and um, and the the Lord moved in her her heart and her life. She was an ed- educator. And uh, she had actually just gotten some promotions and gotten into like this great, great s- stage of her career where she was like, hey, this is awesome. This is what it, kind of what I want to do. And then the Lord moved in her, her heart to say, hey, what if I called you away from that? And you were the director for Isaiah 117 House in Dallas County. And uh, she said, OK. And she gave the Lord that yes. And um, and they opened theirs. Was that uh, last summer? Uh, yeah, it was June of 2020. It was so just 2023. It feels like a lot longer ago, but still, that's amazing. And 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 really, the cool thing about that is, again, it was like the you know this this ministry and this movement uh, partnering with the local governing officials to where there was there was land. Uh, I think that there was part part of the land was donated. They were sitting in a meeting and they had a building contractor who said that they would donate. Um, you know, the plans and, and, uh, and labor costs. And, and so things just started coming together um, like that. And, um, and, and that's something that I think is really cool that you get to be a part of is, is not just the on the ground work that is so necessary to ministering to these vulnerable children, but also or to the caseworkers or to the foster, the placement families, right? But you get to see like these things that seem like mountains, like, how is this ever going to happen? Right. Just kind of like become a, a smooth level plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, we, we didn't even have to climb up it. We just walked straight across it. And so um, and so y'all seen that uh, yourselves here in the Brazoria County. And you've mentioned yeah. some of that with the county uh, donating land and, and things of that nature or, or your the church, church. D- donating land. Right. You're right. Yes. Um, so awesome. Um so uh, just want to kind of think about this then to actually whenever it comes to like ministering to these these children. And, and, and one of the things that I think about, like when we think about these children, like, did they ask for this? Did any of these children ask for this? Did they have a say in it? Right. Um, none of y'all got to choose who you were born to. And some of y'all were born to really wonderful parents. And some of you struggled. Some of your parents were, were not kind and easy to be entreated. Uh, some of y'all suffered at that. Um, maybe some of y'all uh, live in a situation where it's not your natural family unit. And you're thankful that maybe there was an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, somebody who came in and, and took care of you on those days. But now think about these children. They've not been able to, they've had no say in this. They didn't ask for it. And they're taken from their home. And, and, and so what they found was they're taken from their home and then they're, they're tethered basically to their caseworker until they can be placed into a foster, whether that's a kinship placement or whether it's some, some stranger's house that I've never met a day in my life. And they have a black bag with them that they were able to put a few of their precious belongings in, um, which everybody likes traveling with a black trash bag. Does. That gives you dignity. That makes you feel, no, right? Um, and then they're brought to this place. They're tethered to the caseworker because they can't, not literally, but you know, figuratively right. tethered to the caseworker because they can't go anywhere else. Caseworker doesn't have anywhere else to go. And here's what we can do. Oh, they got, our government better figure that out. Everybody get a better situation, better system. Um, or somebody comes along and says, hey, can't we partner with y'all? Can't we provide a place for y'all? Um, so they go to these offices. They you know, might have some vending machines. They might have some little snacks there. They don't definitely don't have a bed that they can rest. They don't have a couch that they can sit down on and that they can kind of even just some toys around, right? It is, it is like your office. If you have an awesome office with those great gray cubicles, you know, um, so fun. Yeah, or like the DMV. Or the, the oh, thank you. That's probably even better. The DMV. How many of y'all want to stay the night at the DMV? Right. So yeah. It's a, any government office. So that vinyl composite uh, to, uh, tile, uh, that 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 flooring there, um, you're laying down on that, and that always seems a little dingy. So they decide they discover this is this child has no say over this, 
they didn't choose this. Right. And so what can we do? We can ignore it. We can continue to not know that this is a problem or just go, well, that, them's the breaks. They're getting the best that they can yep. or they can come alongside. And then as, as Isaiah 117 comes alongside, they see, okay, not only are children in need, but then these caseworkers. And again, it becomes this thing. We can sit there and we can go, oh, these caseworkers are overworked and they're not getting paid enough. And so you're not always getting, sometimes the best and the brightest move on, don't they? Um, and they they'll get, well, they get burnout. burn on. Yeah, it's not like that. They don't have a heart for this, right? Right. And so then you see that problem, and instead of going, man, that's a problem. I can't believe it. And you sit back. Oh, how can we come alongside? And so y'all help the caseworkers, and then you help the placement families. So let me just ask you, like in any of those categories, could you tell us like one or two key things that you're trying to do to provide, you know, uh, to provide some uh, some ministry to these traumatized children? Uh, like y'all said, lighten the load for the caseworkers and to, you know, prepare the foster families there uh, or the placement families. All right. So we'll start with the kiddos. Okay. So typically, well, first off, most of us probably never think about removal day. And if we do think about it, we think about it as being something that's good because the kids are getting taken out of a bad situation. And in our minds, we want to believe that they're going on to a flowery happily ever after, which isn't always true but on that day a lot of times they have no idea what's going on they're scared they're dirty they may be improperly clothed um, a lot of times they do feel like they've done something wrong um, and then they end up going and sitting in an office or riding around in a caseworker's call car while the caseworker makes call after call trying to find somebody to say yes to these kids um, when there's a home instead the caseworker calls and says, we're heading to the Isaiah house. And when they pull up, they're greeted by a volunteer. Lights are on. There might be cookies in the oven. If the kids want to take a bubble bath, they can take a bubble bath and get come out and get dried off with a warm, fluffy towel, put on brand new pajamas, have anything that they want to eat. If they say, I've never been to Chick-fil-A, I want all these things from Chick-fil-A, we go get it. We get something for the caseworker too. They want us to make something at the house. We try our best to do anything, you know, to get them whatever they would like to have on that day. And then um, we love on the kids while the worker has a space to make those hard phone calls. It also gives them a little bit of breathing room to maybe find um, instead of, so if there's a sibling group of three or five, they're calling just trying to find anyone that they can place these kids with. And oftentimes the kids end up being separated and scattered around where if the caseworker has a little bit of breathing room, they can sit and call and hopefully find um, someone who can take all of them or split them into two places instead of everybody going somewhere by themselves. Or if there's a grandmother or an aunt that's in another state who says, I can drive down this weekend and get them, then the kids have a place to stay until that person can come. Um, and then if we're gonna go get food at Chick-fil-A or we're cooking food, we're gonna ask the caseworker, have you eaten today? What can we get you? We're gonna feed you too. And so um, it just makes it a little bit easier for them to do their job well. And then when the family is, is found, um, if they'd like to, they can come to the home and meet the kids there where the kids have been able to be fed, be clean, play, um, get a good night's sleep if they want to. And then they also, we send every child with a bag full of new clothes, hygiene items, shoes, um, toys, a fluffy blanket, anything that they'd like to take with them. And the family could come to the home if they'd like. And as Rhonda mentioned, if they need a car seat, if they haven't had a baby in their home in a while, they need an extra bed, we can help them with all of those things. If they need a meal to put in the oven for dinner that night, we can send them home with that. So um, the, the whole idea is to make it a happier, I mean, we're trying to reduce trauma on a really hard day and remind mm. those kids that they're loved and that they're seen and that they haven't done anything wrong. And then instead of foster parents having to 
run to Walmart because there's not a car seat for the kid or no place for them to sleep or whatever. Um, we can send them home with whatever they need. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, as I think about all those things, um, you know, sometimes people want to ask, like, okay, well, how, you know, how does the gospel fit into this? And I think, for one, we need to, um, sometimes we, we get hung up on, like, speaking words, and we forget that Jesus sometimes didn't ever speak words. Sometimes Jesus did, just did actions that actually presented a message. And so, like, well, like one of the things, like, whenever he went into the temple and, and he turns over the tables, a lot of people get that confused. They think, well, he got so angry, and, like, he got fed up just this one day. Like, like God in his divine, like, uh, you know, glory and his divine knowledge, even though he humbled himself into the form of a man, he shows up to the temple and it was 30 years later that Jesus was like, I'm done with this, right? I mean, oh, come on. He is doing an active demonstration and the active demonstration is because of what you're doing, because I'm filled with the blood of your bulls and your goats and you're not doing justice Instead of doing justice, you're taking advantage and you're profiteering in my house. This house is going to be destroyed. And he leaves the temple and he tells his disciples as much. They said, you see these beautiful temple buildings? And he says, you know what's going to happen? This temple is going to be destroyed. And we know that 30 years later, or uh, about 40 years later, 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. It was destroyed by Rome. And so he does this active demonstration, and he doesn't, and before he ever even uses words, and people have to kind of go, what's going on here? Jesus tells us if we give a cup of cold water, or a cup of water, I don't know if that they had ice cold water, <laughs> but if we give a cup of water to drink in his name, he was like, I, like he works in that. Like his spirit is big enough to tell these kids who are showing up on their worst day through the care and the compassion, be, through somebody seeing them and saying, hey, do you want to, do you want to, get cleaned up, and then do you want to snuggle up on the couch and read a book? God, through his spirit, is not limited by our words. He uses those actions, and he tells those kids through that, you are loved. You're loved by this person, and through his spirit, he's able to say, and you're loved by much more than just this individual. You're loved by me. You're seen by me. You're known by me. I think we need to trust that a little bit more because a lot of this people will go, well, you know, do I have to? No, no, no. Let's just love these kids and trust that God is able to speak through that action, just like he was able to speak through the action. Remember whenever Jesus knelt down in the sand and they brought that woman to him and they're like, what do you have to say about it? He just kneels down and he starts writing. We don't know what he wrote, but what we do know is what he did in that moment was he took all the pressure and all the tension off of her, and he brought it onto himself. And so we know that in that moment, he was saying, hey, look, I need this woman who's just been caught at her worst day, in the most vulnerable situation. I need to release some of that pressure from her. So, I want us to be encouraged with that, that sometimes we don't always get to see the one for one, but what God is able to do through his spirit, through our actions, is actually able to present the gospel. In fact, James tells us in chapter one that our true religion and what is undefiled is that we take care of the widow and the orphan. And then in chapter two, he says, don't show me your faith with your words only. Don't tell me about your faith. Show me your faith in your actions. He says, it is of no use, and this is Macaulay's paraphrase, by the way, but this is, it is of no use that you tell somebody, be well, be fed, and be warm, and you don't provide them food, and you don't provide them clothing, but you send them away naked. That is a wistful wish Faith that is not a true faith that trusts that I can give you the food because my God's abundant. And I don't care if it's my last piece of bread. I can give you my last piece of bread because I know my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
I don't care if I don't have two coats and I'm giving you the one that I do have. I trust that God who's provided me that one will provide another one. So when we think about it, the gospel cannot be limited to just your words. The gospel is words and action. And a lot of times what we know is you'll never even get to share the words if people don't see you're acting in love. If you're not acting in love. And so all that's say encouragement for us as we go through this. I want to ask you this. Now, if y'all have volunteers. We do. So this is like an opportunity for people in our congregation for us to open our minds and our eyes and our hearts to say, God, could I do this? And so what does it look like for a volunteer? What, what do y'all require of a volunteer? Uh, how, how would a volunteer get uh, participate, uh, starting to participate? Um, you know, I know my, my mother-in-law volunteers at the Dallas house, and, um, and so it's not like an everyday thing and, right. and stuff like that. So can you give us some kind sure. of fill in some details on the volunteering? Yep. So, well, first off, there's all kinds of ways to volunteer, but the, as I mentioned before, the home um, belongs to the community, is supported by the community, and it's run by the community. So the home will be run by 40 to 60 trained volunteers. Um, and if I'll just first I'll back up and say, if you're not interested, not everybody's called to work in the home or yeah. around the home. But, um, you know, we have other opportunities because we do, every year we do a golf tournament. That takes tons of volunteers to make that a success. We do lemonade stands in July. That's a great opportunity for kids in the church to participate and host a lemonade stand. It raises awareness and usually money too, but the primary objective is to raise awareness in the community about mm -hmm. Isaiah 117 House. Um, we So we have all different kinds of events. Every month we take things to, we take treats to the three CPS offices that are in Brazoria County to remind the caseworkers that they're appreciated. Um, so we have people who donate treats. We have people, kids who write cards, notes of appreciation. Um, and then once a month, those things are delivered to the office in Pearland, Angleton and Alvin. Um, so there's those kinds of opportunities. And then in the home, um, as I said, we, it'll be run by trained volunteers. I've got, um, some information outside on this table that, and if anybody wants to pick up a rack card, it has, um, a QR code and it takes you to everything that's going on and access to everything that you would need to know. But we have an application, an app called... Logistics is where people would fill out a volunteer application and then you check um, what your gifts and talents are. We try to put everyone in a position that plays to their gifts. You're right. So if you love to bake and cook, maybe you, you'd like to sign up to send a dinner or take a dinner to the kids that are sleeping in the hotels. Or maybe once the house is open, you'd like to cook dinner for the kids that are in the house. Um, if you like to do landscaping, maybe you want to come pull weeds and plant spring flowers in the flower bed. And then there'll be all the things like washing laundry and making sure that the house always looks, you know, pristine and inviting. And then there'll be people who actually work with the kids. And that consists of um, background check, fingerprinting, um, trauma-informed care, Isaiah 117 Red Door Culture, which basically talks about lavish love. Um, and you would work in the home with um, serving kids. And anybody who wants to work in or around the home has to go through the process of being background checked and fingerprinted. Um, so it's not, an, it's not an extensive process. It's a couple of days of training and um, and we invite people, but it's not, you know, you can volunteer if you say, I can volunteer every Tuesday or, you know, on these nights I can be on the on-call list or, um, you know, I can do one Thursday a month. It's whatever, whatever fits in your schedule and whatever you feel called to do, um, we, we make it work and we're, and when you fill out the application, there's all these check boxes for, you know, I like to help with events, I like to cook, I can write grants, I 
do administrative or organizing or whatever because like right now we have two storage units that are full of donations and after Christmas it looked like somebody threw up donations in there. <laughs> you know, we have a lady who thankfully has volunteered to be our coordinator for the storage. And um, when Rhonda mentioned the, you know, sending the kids home with clothes and things, the entire upstairs of the home is um, built out as a giving room. So it is full of bins of clothing, shoes, um, all the things that a child might need, everything from newborn to the biggest teenager. So um, there'll be, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So um, as individuals, they could volunteer in any capacity, invite us to come talk to other groups that you might be a part of. It doesn't matter if it's two people or 200 people. We're always happy to come share. Um, so those are ways that, that everyone could get involved individually. We have a once a month, we do a connection meeting that anyone in the community is invited to. The next one is on February the 28th. Also, an easy thing to do is pray at 117 every day for um, all the kids and everyone who's touched by foster care and um, also to just follow us on social media and like and share our posts because that helps spread awareness as well. As far as the church goes, we, you know, there you could do donation drives. Right now we're, we're collecting clothing in all different sizes, you know, so you could say we're going to do school-age boys or we're going to do, you know, baby girls or whatever and collect clothing or um, sometimes, I don't know if y'all do vacation Bible school here, mm -hmm. but like the, the kids have collected offerings at some of the churches for vacation Bible school and we come talk to the kids and the parents about what we're doing. Uh, there's like, there's just all kinds of different ways that, um, that, that people can get involved. Yeah. We try to find something that caters to, like I said, your, your strengths, your talents and, um, to work. Yeah. Well, that's good. No, um, whenever I think about that, we talk about this a lot, like any of these ministries, what you find out is that you don't just need somebody who has the warm, bubbly, uh, compassionate heart, but sometimes you need that, uh, you know, that person who can just look at a donation room and make the hard decision and say, this needs to stay and that needs to go. Uh, right. And so, uh, so it's like, the, it's like the full gamut of people that we, that any of any ministry needs our churches. And then also, uh, these nonprofits that, uh, that are, um, that are seeing to the needs of, of people in our community. And so, uh, so here's the, the thing that I would encourage y'all with is like, if you have a heart for this at all and, and, and your heart just moved, just at least get involved with getting the information and maybe go into that connection meeting and, and, and just kind of starting down that pathway. Uh, this is one of those things that like as a church, maybe like a couple times a year, we can do something as a, as a group, but really what we always want to do too is just give everybody uh, who is, who is here a, a way in which they can actually actively practically serve um, other people. And so whenever we bring like a, a ministry like Isaiah 117 house in or shower ministry or, 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 uh, you know, family promise all the time, what we want you to be able to do is go, okay, maybe this is the thing that I can do and I can participate in that. And because my life gets busy and I want to, I want to serve others. Um, but then, um, sometimes I don't have an opportunity, an outlet for that service, or it doesn't feel like I have an outlet for that service. And this is to provide you a practical outlet for your service um, on your end. But really what it does is it cares for people who are in great need. Um, right before I let you, uh, thank you for coming and let you go. Uh, right now, y'all have the land. Yep. You have the permits. Uh, this last week, you were excited about getting the permits uh, uh, for building. Um, that's always fun. Uh, was that an easy process just by the way? Yeah, yeah okay. It took us five months to get permitting yeah. approved. Uh, so we've been waiting a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, uh, but now you said that they're, you got the stakes out. Yeah. They're about to start pouring foundation. I'm expecting to see dirt, hopefully on Monday. Okay. Mountains of dirt yeah. and heavy equipment, moving, moving dirt. Yeah, um, uh, and, then, and then building and everything starts. 
what's the what's the process for y'all with the building? Do y'all already have like a contractor in place, or is that going to require any volunteer effort, or is that all? I guess with liability and things of that nature, is that all uh, taken care of through right. contractors? We have volunteers, but they're volunteer licensed. Right, 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 so right, right, right. Um, we have three general contractors working together, the four, four plumbing companies working together. Um, our home is, um, like in Dallas, Megan had a builder. Right. And so they just kind of like came in and did it. There's a home being built in Montgomery Walker County, and they have Chesmar Homes is just building their home. Ours is really a community effort, mm -hmm. and, and different contractors in the community are building it. The things that... Um, we could we could use help with walk through that process or things like uh, once the house is dried in we'll do a holy graffiti and invite the community to come and write bible verses and on the framing and pray over the home um, we'll have opportunities for teams and stuff to come like pick up and make sure that the construction site stays looking neat mm -hmm. and nice we'll be taking things like Gatorade and breakfast tacos and whatever to the construction workers so there's opportunities like that around the home right now um, and then like I said we have we have lemonade stands coming up in July we it'll be probably at least the fall by the house, time the house is built okay yeah again. so this fall is when y'all are looking to have they this told one. us nine months I'm sure they told us that because they don't want us hounding yeah, yeah. about you said six months or yeah. whatever but, tell them um, nine months and if we get done at yeah. eight everybody you're then a hero happy, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. well good well um uh well is there any any parting words that you would want to give to us before we um say thank you for coming um well as i said i'm happy to well i'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has um i would encourage y'all to at least pick up a card out there in the lobby if you want to get an isaiah bracelet to wear to remind you to pray every day and to remind you to think about us um there's bracelets out there and stickers out there as well um, I believe that personally that we're all called to serve, um, and, and if you don't feel like Isaiah 117 house is your place, but you want to serve the foster care community, we would be happy to help you find an organization that's a better fit for you because, um, what we really want to do is care for God's kids. Um, so I, like I said, thank y'all so much for having me yes, here and, we thank you for whatever coming. Whatever I can do to answer questions or encourage everybody to take their next step, whatever that might be. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm gonna pray for you, and then we'll uh, and then we'll uh, say a big thank you again for you coming and being with us today. But okay. um, but let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Okay. okay. Uh, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for who you are. Uh, Lord, um, I thank you for just uh, inspiring your people to do good work. I thank you for opening our hearts and minds to needs. We thank you for opening uh, Rhonda and her husband's uh, hearts to this need in particular about providing a home for children on on their worst day, Lord, and um, and then how that can not just serve those children, but uh, but serve the caseworkers, serve those families placing, Lord. How that can also serve the community, getting the community working together. Lord, for, for good, for a common good. Uh, Lord, um, we pray and we know this. The needs in our world and our society and our communities are great. We know that every time that we have a different, uh, a different uh, missionary or different mission project come in here, Lord, uh, Lord, our hearts do get stirred within us. And but so, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would give us wisdom and, like, Lord, discernment to, to hear your voice calling us to to in particular works, Lord. Uh, Lord, um, I pray and I ask that you would raise up people w from our congregation that would that would want to partner with Isaiah 117. And Lord, uh, really just give us a heart as a ministry for even if it's just making raising awareness, Lord, ways that we can help um, serve uh, this cause, serve these children, uh, and serve the needs there. Uh, Lord, we do pray this. We trust this. We trust that, Lord, your spirit moves through words as much as it moves through symbols and images. And so, Lord, we pray and we ask that, that through this work that they're doing, Lord, yes, do we want them to have opportunities to express verbally the good news? Yes, we do. 
But we pray, Lord, that your spirit will work through the image, through the symbol, through the work, through the action of Isaiah 117 House in general, and then particularly through Isaiah 117 House, Brazoria County. These children who are coming in and these caseworkers in this community needs to know the gospel. They need to know the, the gospel, the good news that you love us. And that you are for us. And that it's through you that we have new life. We have forgiveness. We have healing. We have restoration. And we have the hope of eternal life, Lord. God, we pray and we ask that you would just please uh, speak, as it were, through everything that Isaiah 117 House does to reveal your glory and your goodness, Lord. Lord, we pray and we ask for these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Amen. All right. Ms. Mona, thank you so much. Thank you. Did y'all join me in saying thank you to Ms. Mona? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Good day. Thank y'all for having me. And I'll be out here if anybody has questions. Or if you would like to talk one-on-one, -on -one, just grab one of my cards or one of the rack cards, and I'd be happy to take you to coffee. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you again. All right, church family. Where did this just go? That goes there. All right, good. Um, listen, uh, we want to uh, encourage us as we, as we are gathered here that we, we take these things in and we pray about them. I, I don't know where your heart's at, what gets stirred in your heart. All I know is that like, there's so many opportunities for us to work, so many needs for us. Um, and there's a, like, and none of us can say, and this is what I want y'all to know as a pastor, when we read these ministries in, none of us can say, like, I just don't know what to do, or I, I, I don't know where to go. We want to answer that question. Here's a place that you can work. Here's a way that you can help. Here's an opportunity for you. And Isaiah 117 House is a pretty cool opportunity to, um, to partner with others and to, to do some good in this world. And so um, we, uh, I hope and I pray that your, your minds, your hearts will be open. If you do hear the Lord saying, all I'm asking you for is a small yes, would you be so faithful, so trusting to say, yes, Lord? That's our hope and prayer that you will. Um, next week, as we come back, we're going to welcome um, a missionary with uh, a great organization um, called Faith Comes by Hearing. Uh, years ago, they came into our church, and um, and uh, and there's actually a, um, a local uh, pastor who uh, served at Trinity Trinity Fellowship uh, for many years, uh, Brother Todd. He's going to come and he's going to share uh, the work of Faith Comes by Hearing and uh, and ways that we can. Uh, partner with them and support them as well and uh, so we have that to look forward to next week until then my hope and my prayer is is that as we go from this place this week that we will remember this we can show up on sunday we can show up on sunday and we can do all the things on sunday and if we're not careful we can feel really good about ourselves because i showed up on sunday but what Isaiah 1 reminds us is that God doesn't just want us showing up on Sundays. And so whether it's Isaiah 117 house, whether it's shower ministry, whether it's some other uh, organization, or, or if it's just the people in your house, my hope and my prayer is that we will love others like God has loved us and like Jesus has shown us to love others. Are we good with that? Amen. And listen, let me just give you one more word. Husbands and wives, sometimes the hardest person to love and to serve is not the vulnerable kid who just got kicked out of his, or just got torn from his family. Sometimes the hardest person to love and to serve with a pure heart is that person who you used to love so much, but now they get under your skin, right? Uh, so I just want to encourage you, this isn't just about us serving others out there, it's about you serving one another each and every day with a pure heart. Hey, listen, let's stand and word. Uh, Mona, if you'll go ahead and make your way to the back so that way people can see you, shake your hands, and get cards and information from you. Um, 
well, before we're dismissed, let's remind you all this. Tuesday morning, we're going to have Hope Village Worship Service. Uh, that's Tuesday at 10 here. Uh, we had to reschedule it because they were, had sickness. Yesterday, they had the ladies' Bible study. Y'all had a good time? Yes. Okay, good. I'm so proud of y'all for doing that and thankful for y'all doing that. Um, so um, they'll have the, the next one will be March 10th. Um, and so if you weren't able to be a part of it, uh, don't just talk to Miss Felisa, talk to Miss Danielle. They'll get you plugged in right through that. Um, and uh, then uh, is it this week, Brother Mitch? The 15th is this week? Yes, this next week. This next Thursday, we're going to have our uh, senior fellowship. And so that will be Thursday at 10 a.m. And so uh, with that, let's do this. Let's go trusting these things that our Lord, our Lord works through us. Sometimes he works through our words and sometimes he works through our actions. But he is at work through his spirit and his spirit is not limited. And so let's go trusting that our Lord works. Amen? Amen. Did you have something? I don't think she wanted anybody to know that. Okay. Mm. All right. Brother Mitchell, you do with that what, with what you want to do uh, with that. But Miss Karen Rich did celebrate a birthday on Tuesday. Uh, I'll tell you this. I, I shared this with Miss Karen, and we can remember this even as we're singing to her. This last year was not kind to her in any way. And we don't know what this next year holds. But I have been encouraged by this. She has been so strong through this year. And uh, our Lord, I do believe, has equipped her with a great amount of strength and grace and dignity. And uh, we do, whereas it might not be a happy, happy birthday, because I'm sure it was very bittersweet. We do celebrate you. We celebrate you, your faith your dignity, and your testimony that you share with us. And so I think we could sing happy birthday to that, don't you? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then Brother Mitch will play us out. I think Karen, I think she deserves a special arrangement. Okay. All right. right.